Some places take you away. Some bring you together. Marathon does both. Marathon is Florida's family key with something for everyone. You'll find museums and wildlife refuges, wide open beaches, miles of warm, clear water, and the historic Seven Mile Bridge. For more about Marathon and the latest safety protocols, visit flakeys.com slash marathon. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to another episode of the Testudo Talk podcast. I'm Emmett Siegel, as always, here with Andrew Chodis. And the fall season is here for Maryland sports. It's pretty crazy, but uh, we're recording this on Thursday, August 17th, and today was the first women's soccer game, so that kind of kicks off the Terps fall season. So it's an exciting time. And that means that football is right around the corner. So today we're going to be looking at Maryland's offense, Maryland's defense, kind of just looking at Maryland football as a whole and kind of analyzing some of our concerns, strengths, uh, some of the things maybe fans should look out for as the season goes on and what might end up determining what the season looks like for, uh, for Maryland football. So Andrew, I know so I'm, I'm excited as always about this to you know talk about Maryland football. We're getting really close to the start of the season. We got about two weeks before Maryland kicks off against Towson. I know I'm super excited. Like I just said, how are you feeling as you know, it's, we're already getting into the, the later parts of August. Yeah. Like, you know, exactly. Like you said, it's absolutely crazy to me. You know, summer's coming to an end. Fall sports are already kicking off. Like you said, women's soccer, you know, my previous beat uh, kicked off today. So I think it's really exciting. Football got basically two weeks to go. So a lot of exciting stuff happening in the Maryland sports world and excited to break down the football team. Absolutely. And I think we should start with the offense uh, and like I said, we'll be looking at our concerns for the offense. That could be a position group, a player, whatever it may be. Um, and we'll be doing this for the defense as well. We're talking about our concerns, and then we'll be talking about a strength, maybe mm-hmm. something that you know we think the team will excel in this year. And then we'll be looking at an X factor. So that could be you know a player, it could be a position, it could be anything that we think might kind of you know decide the way that this season goes for that position group. Um, so yeah, I, I'll kick it to you uh, on offense. Mm-hmm. What is your concern, your primary concern for Maryland football this fall? Yeah, I think I'm going to give the obvious answer here, and I think I'll start with the offensive line. I think any time, you know, a position group loses all but one of its starters, there's obviously a huge, you know, transition that's going to need to happen there. And I think it's going to be really tough, especially in Big Ten play, where a lot of the success and failures kind of come, you know, in, in between the trenches and just looking at, at at their depth right now, right? You have three, grad, you have three transfers, uh, two of them, you know, from non-FBS schools, you get very high, highly touted guys, but you don't really know how it's going to translate. Your only returning offensive lineman is Delmar Glaze. Provided he had, out, he had an outstanding year last year, his pass blocking grade was one of the highest uh, in, in the nation. But again, it's just for me, and again, we're not going to know a lot until we really get to the first game and we see the first game action. But I'm so intrigued to see how these transfers are going to are going to translate, you know, to the power five game. What I do think is really, really, really good for Maryland is they have, to be frank, they have a pretty easy schedule, especially at favorable schedules, the word, especially towards the beginning of the season. So I think that's a game where kind of the offense is put in a great position to thrive. And I also think it's going to be a, a really a, they're putting the offensive line in a really good position, kind of to get their feet wet, learn the communication and something that, you know, that Mike Loxley has said, even, you know, even offensive coordinator Josh, Josh Gaddis, he said just a few weeks ago, the offensive line, it's an area of concern, right? So this is something that's, you know, it's not a, it's not a secret, 
But, you know, Coach Loxley, he's also said that, you know, by bringing in really experienced experienced guys, he think that will help them, you know, once the other thing get into Big Ten play. And he's right. You know, the offensive line, the starting offensive line is probably going to be Delmar Glaze, Jr., Corey Bullock, Sr., Eric Harris, Sr., Emilio, Emilio Moran, Sr., Marcus Dumerville, Jr., who has experience at LSU. So they do have a ton of experience. I'm just not sure if they have the skill necessarily to compete with your Michigan, your Ohio State, your Penn States. And these are areas where Maryland has gotten bullied, right? It's on that offensive line. And when you have so many unpredictable so many un- unpredictable outcomes with the guys they've lost, I just think it's going to be really, really difficult for them to succeed against some of the top dogs in the Big Ten. I think that if you're polling Maryland fans and probably just if you were to ask the coaches and they were to be honest, like you said, I think the offensive line is definitely the position you would point to first when you're thinking about what is the main concern on offense, right? And yes. and in addition to what you were saying about the returning starters, it's also important to note, like especially on the offensive line where there's a lot of rotation going on, you really mm-hmm. need to establish depth sure. there. And what Maryland Maryland lost its leaders at the top, but it also lost guys like Colton Deary, say, right, that were looking to step into a bigger role. And what that does is that knocks everyone up on the depth chart. So then you kind of... You know, it has a domino effect. So, yeah, I think that that is definitely the yeah. position that I would look at as well. Um, yeah. I have another thing, but I'll but I'll let you. Uh, yeah, no, and I just wanted to just kind of just to hound on something else. And I think that, you know, you kind of have to take everything with a grain of salt. And this may have been a slip up by by Gaddis. But when you have a, you know, when you have a coach basically saying, you know, this was not a quote taken out of context, he did say the depth on the offensive line, it's a concern and it's something that they're going to you know, need to build up. And this just happened during media day, right? This was just a few weeks ago with the season happening in two weeks. So I think that internally, I think there's tons of concern and externally us, the fans, I think share that same concern. So again, I think that their early schedule that may help them kind of pile up the scores, get more comfortable, but I think it's going to be a really, really tough for them to succeed in those bigger matchups. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. That's just my feeling. I, I agree with you. I think that those those early season matchups are huge, especially because it's, you would hope, a little bit lower leverage of a situation. Like, you know, Towson should be a win. Charlotte should be a win. Virginia, they're going to be heavily favored in, and you would hope that I'm just going back to this depth point again. You would mm-hmm. hope that in those games, you'll have an opportunity to perhaps get people yeah game reps that you know maybe they wouldn't be able to get in a game against like you said like michigan ohio state penn state the kind of teams where they might just be completely overmatched in and i think that's that's definitely valuable um i'm gonna go with my concern it's it's a little bit more particular perhaps it's not a position group but i'm just gonna go with with turnovers and i'm gonna talk specifically about timely interceptions um this is the number one thing that people when they talk about talia tongavailoa and they criticize him. This is the number one thing they point to. And I will say that, you know, he's obviously under a microscope for a variety of reasons. I mean, he's a multi-year starter. He's at a Big Ten team. And then, you know, obviously his last name provides a lot of pressure for him. But some of the interceptions that we've seen from him, you know, the, every quarterback is going to make mistakes, right? The best quarterbacks in the country last year, Caleb Williams is throwing interceptions. Drake May is throwing interceptions. But the thing about Talia is that he has for, I don't know what it is specifically, but he has, for some reason, kind of a knack to throw interceptions at what seems like the worst times. And, you know, I look back at that Michigan game that was so winnable for them last year. And I know that the ball might have hit the ground technically on those two interceptions he threw, but those were crucial interceptions. Those were plays that, you know, you, you cannot make if you're a starting quarterback. And if you want Maryland to take that next step, we all know 
how important ball security is. We all know how important it is to win the turnover battle. That's the biggest thing for Talia. We know he's got arm talent. We know he's got experience. We know he knows how to run the offense, even though there's a new offensive coordinator. But if he can cut down on those interceptions, that's the, that's the thing that I would be most concerned about that he doesn't do that could potentially prohibit Maryland from, you know, perhaps taking a step forward when it comes to the season and, and, you know, taking a step forward in the win column, right? Like that's, that's the kind of margins that you're looking at in these games. If you want to beat the big teams, definitely got to win the turnover battle. And it seems like too many times we've seen Talia maybe throw an interception in a situation where it kills all the momentum. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I think that that's a great point. As you mentioned in those big games, I think just the turn, I, you know, even the Michigan, right? The f- first play of the game, you know, it's the the kick return, drop, fumble. Michigan scores thirty seconds into the game. Uh, that's when you know Talia kind of in in the big moments for him. He kind of he'll make a great play, and the next play, just the, the decision making kind of goes awry. So I think you know, great point made by you. Yeah, my my biggest concern with it is not necessarily that I can't do it. It's just that for the last two years, I mean, really, like ever since that Iowa game, we all remember where he threw like five interceptions in the first half or whatever it was. The message has been, you know, he needs to work on his decision making. And then he's saying, I'm going to work on my decision making. And it's not showing. he's saying the same thing this year. So you would think like, okay, they're focusing on that. But I know they've been focusing on it for the past few years, too. And we're just yet to see it. So, you know, we'll see with that. But we can kind of we can flip to strengths now. You know, we can we can get out of the negative side of it and, and go to the positive side. And I can start with the strength of this offense, in my opinion, are the running backs, the returning running backs led by Roman Hemby. We know how important he was to this team last year. I felt like last year there were a lot of situations where, you know, Maryland's passing attack, which was so vaunted going into the season. And, you know, you're looking at their wide receivers, three guys that ended up going at least onto NFL rosters uh, to, you know, start training camp. You're looking at that and you're saying that's going to be the key to their offense, but it really was Hemby and, and Antoine Littleton at times that was leading that charge. And them being back is so huge. They have pretty much the entire running back room back. I mean, you have Roman Hemby leading. You have Antoine Littleton, who we were able to talk to yesterday. And, you know, his body, he had he had a huge body transformation last offseason. It looks like he's kept it up. And he looks, you know, he's a big guy, but he has some some speed to him. He's a very fun player to watch. Then you got guys like Ramon Brown and, and Colby McDonald that can, you know, provide some depth of that position. Ramon Brown has that explosive nature to him. So when I look at the the strength of this offense, I look at the the returning production from the running backs. And if that's a thing they can keep up, that maybe, you know, takes a little bit of pressure off of those new wide receivers that I think you're going to get into here and some, you know, some pressure off that passing attack that has been such an integral part of their offense for so many years. Yeah, no, I, th- I think you hit it on the head there. I would say the only thing I might have a slight concern with uh, for the running backs is, you know, you got to get holes, you know, and on to, to absolutely. Get- yeah. I mean, the offensive line, like you said, like, to, to know, a running back is as good as their blockers, right? Yeah, exactly. So I th- that that's that's the only concern for me. But as you mentioned, you talk about one skill position as the strength. I'm going to go with the other one, the guys who line up out wide. I'm going to go with the wide receivers. Last year, like you said, you had three guys go to the NFL, so you would assume they're losing a lot of depth. You're really not with, with what Maryland has this year. To be plain and simple, they just have a really solid wide receiver core. Jay Sean Jones returning for his sixth year, leader of the team on and off the field, led them in almost every statistical category. Last season, comes back, graduate. I think he's going to excel, you know, probably be the Terps top wide receiver again. Got another experienced guy in Ty Felton, who had a really solid season last year as well. 
And then I think the X factor, well, we're not going to go to that actually, but for this particular position, I think the X factor is going to be uh, the, the two transfers in Caden Prather from West Virginia and Tyrese Chambers from FIU. Both thrived, had really, really excellent seasons uh, at their respective schools last season. Both Maryland guys, both bring experience. Prather's a junior, Chambers is a graduate. You know, they combined for over a thousand yards between the two of them, over a hundred receptions from last season. And the few practices I've been able to attend, they've both looked really, really good. Caden uh, Prather, especially, he's looked electric. He's he he's dropped a couple of defensive backs. If we're being honest here, so again, you look at those four guys. I think that's a really solid lineup right there. And then there's a few guys who we don't really know what we're going to get from them. But you have Octavian Smith, who's you know he's been a solid contributor as well uh, for Maryland. He was a solid contributor last year. Got a couple of receptions in some not as big games. And then somebody that Mike Loxley has been very high on. We haven't necessarily seen it yet, but a former four-star recruit guy who has pretty electric speed and Shalik knots. So again, you have, those are two guys that can have really good seasons, but your core of those four guys, really, really good. Uh, probably top four, top five in the big 10 guys that have contributed in the past. You kind of expect them to contribute again. So I think that's just, that's a, the wide receivers, there are comfortable positions there's not really much concern about them. I don't know if you think there's some concern. I think they're guys that you can almost guarantee will contribute and create a solid passing attack with Talia Tagovailoa. I think I 100% agree with you. And I think I have a couple of things to add. One, Shalik yeah. Knotts has the best nickname on the team, Punch Knotts. Great that nickname. Actually, that actually is um, Yeah, it goes by Punch. <laughs> um, cool. and, and, and second, and it's the main point uh, I want to make, is that I think we've kind of gotten to this point, and, and it's probably been a couple of years now, I think we've kind of gotten to the point where you can kind of just look at Maryland and pencil in good wide receivers every year. I think it just kind of feeds itself. You look at the talent they put into the NFL. I mean, Stefan Diggs is, you know, kind of the bell cow. Like he's like the guy that everyone points towards. I mean, Stefan Diggs is, you know, invaluable to what he's done to, you know, Maryland's recruiting both in high school and the transfer portal. But you just like, you know what you're going to get. Like they're going to have good receivers. And these guys, it seems like the transfers they brought in, are going to be good fits. I mean, like you said, Caden Prather had a good year. Tyrese Chambers wasn't quite playing at you know the level of competition. He was playing down at FIU, but he was racking up monster numbers down there. So I mean, he seems like he's going to be a really good fit for this offense. And you know, Prather should should open up uh, some opportunities as well. And then Jayshon Jones is as steady as they come. You know, last year with with like I said, three NFL guys, he was the best receiver in the room at least production wise. Um, so yeah, I mean, they're they're going to be. I think they're going to be dynamic again. And, and Octavian Smith, you mentioned him. I think Octavian Smith, from what I've seen, just like the little bursts we've seen of him, especially him in the return game, I think he's an electric player. I think he's going to be, I don't know if he's going to be, you know, quite the guy, like some of the guys I've had in recent years, but, but I look at Octavian Smith as, you know, maybe next in line to be, you know, wide receiver one in a year or two. I think yeah. he was, and we saw that in the bowl game as well with that touchdown. You you cover the team. You saw their games. You saw David Smith. So I, I I trust what you're saying. If you think he he can be the X factor this season, well, the moment that stands out to me about Octavian Smith was it was week one or week two, um, and he he just like caught a ball, you know, mm -hmm. did a spin move or, or did a juke move and shook his defender. And there was a couple people I heard separately in the press box be like, okay, so he's the next guy here. Like he's the next Maryland wide receiver because he was a freshman last year, you know, four star recruit. So. Yeah, he definitely stands out as a guy with the athleticism to be successful. And Ty Felton's been a guy, you talked about him. Ty Felton has, for the last year, year and a half, like every single coach has been, you know, Ty Felton, we're, we're really high on Ty Felton. He's going to break out this year. 
feels like this year he might actually break out. You know, I'm 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 actually very optimistic about Ty Felton. I know he had you know the comical drop like we talked about against Michigan on the kickoff, but you know what he actually brings to the table. He's a great deep ball threat, and he seemed like the kind of the only guy last year that they were actually willing to throw the ball deep to, which is a little bit surprising. Whenever we go through the wide receivers and we just go through the depth chart and me and I hear the name Tyrese Chambers, I can't help but laugh. The dude is so energetic and ridiculous. It's so funny. Yeah, the top top couple personality on the team. I don't know. We could that could be a separate episode. We could yeah, do an episode on the personalities on the team, but he's definitely high on that list. If if we brought him on this pod and do an interview, I think he would talk to us for three and a half hours. Maybe we should maybe we should get that get that done. Um, do you want to hit me with your X factor for the offense? Yeah, I can. Yeah, uh, I think the X factor, I think, kind of goes back to what we were discussing a little bit about the turnovers. And I know where we've only gotten through skill positions. I'm going to continue that theme. I think it has to be the quarterbacks, right? Or quarterback in, in, in this case. Maryland's success, basically, as we've seen in past years, some of those mistakes have cost them, comes down to Talia Tagovailoa, how he plays. And number one thing is consistency. There are games where he'll throw for 400 yards, four touchdowns, add in 60 rushing yards. Oh my God, this guy is going to be a top five Heisman guy. They play Michigan. They play Penn State. Misses balls on third down. Misses his passes. Throws a few inter- throws a few interceptions. The X factor is Talia Tagovailoa's consistency. If he stays consist- consistent, if he improves his decision-making, and if he can play like, like the experience, you know, gra- graduate athlete that he is, Maryland ceiling goes maybe from eight wins, maybe to nine. And, you know, kind of look at that as only one win to be an eight or nine win team. That's huge. Be one of the big dogs, right? Yeah. Top four in the conference. But I mean, it all comes down to, to, to Tiger Vailoa. We've seen him at his best, but we've seen, seen, seen him when he's at his best in some games, there are other parts of the games where he's at his worst. And you kind of look and you're like, what, what is he doing? Right. And that's no disrespect to him. But if he's consistent, if he's because he he can be elite at times, and if he can if he can kind of be consistent with that elite game, if he gets you know gets on the run, gets mobile, that's when he's at his best is, is when he's mobile. But if he can just find consistency, Maryland's in a very good position. Well, it's all going to start with him. It feels like for me, it's going to start in week three or four because yeah. he's going to probably put up huge numbers in week one or two. And, and we've seen this, this with Maryland like as a whole. I'll let yeah. you uh, get get your point off in one second. I just want to yeah. want to do this real quick. We've seen it with with Maryland as a whole. Like it's kind of become a meme. Like they start out three and zero, they start out four and one, whatever it is, and then they get blown out. That's what it's going to be like for Talia as well, right? We've seen like week one or two, he gets you know PFF loves him, right? They'll tweet out you know Talia has the best passing grade under pressure or whatever, and you know early Heisman whatever, like you said. And then, you know, the Big Ten play comes, and then we start to see the consistency drop off a little bit. That's what I'm looking for. I'm not really looking to see what he does in the first couple games as much as, like you said, can he string it out over an entire season? You said word for word what I was going to say. We can move on. Perfect. Uh, I'll give my X factor, and uh, I think this is the only position group on offense we haven't hit on, but I think it's going to be the tight ends other than Corey Deitches because Corey Deitches is, you know what you're going to get pretty much out of him. You know, last year with him and C.J. Dupree, you had kind of a two-headed monster. You had a really good rotation there of two guys that, you know, I could see both those guys playing in the NFL someday. Mm-hmm. But it's it's all about depth, especially at the tight end position, because Maryland used a lot of two tight end sets last year. And obviously you got a different offensive coordinator, you know, new offensive line, stuff like that. But I can definitely see a situation where, you know, if Corey Deitches is gonna get 
his right. He he's he's essentially an extra receiver on the field. He's essentially a mismatch as as an extra receiver. But you need another guy that can provide maybe a better blocking threat, maybe another receiving threat out there that that kind of opens up the offense. The thing about being a dynamic offense is not just like having a guy that you can go to. It's about having that depth all the way down the chart that you can, you know, pick your poison with. And I look at a guy like Preston Howard, who had a good spring game, who redshirted last year, converted quarterback as, as a guy that, you know, maybe to keep an eye on. Um, Laurent Husbands is a good blocker from from what we hear. He has he has the, the build for it. Um, but for me, outside of Corey Deitches, I'm looking at the tight ends as my X factor because I think we talked so much right there about the wide receivers. And I think you know what you're going to get from them. You're going to have a capable passing attack. Assuming the offensive line isn't atrocious, you're going to have a pretty good running attack. Mm-hmm. Then you look at the final piece, other than quarterback, what you said, and it's tight ends. So I look at tight ends for me as as maybe the sneaky X factor. So, you know, what could end up determining how mm-hmm. prolific this offense is come the fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and exactly like you said, I was going to mention, you know, they lined up a lot of two t- two tight end uh, sets last year as well. And, you know, you can kind of go between the two of them, you know, to make plays. And like in the, in the spring game, I remember watching that. And Preston Howard was a guy people were mumbling about, oh, he's, he's having a good game. Is he going to be, you know, play, player of the game in that? Uh, so I think it's going to be, I think tight ends, I think you know what you're getting in Corey Dyches, but I think you, you're exactly right. It's the, the depth, it's young. It's young. I think that's another factor we should put in. And I think, yeah, you, you just don't know what you're going to get. So I think the first few games, I think if they're able to get snaps, if the games are possibly in blowouts, I think that'll be really interesting to watch out for. Absolutely. Um, I think we've hit on all the offense. I think we can shift our focus now to defense, the other side of the ball. Um, and we'll start again with the concerns. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll jump off our positive note, back down to concerns. And then, you know, we'll, we'll finish with the strengths and X factors on the other side of the ball. Um, for me, my main concern is the pass rush. Um, I just look at last year and they really struggled getting to the quarterback. I mean, I'm looking at, they were ninth in sacks, which is kind of where they ranked in most defensive statistical categories. So they were kind of in the middle of the pack or lower middle of the pack of the big 10, but it felt like with their pass rush, it just was somewhat non-existent at times. And, you know, some of these best quarterbacks they were playing against, they were really relying on their secondary to bail them out in uh, passing situations and they had really good secondary so they could get away with it, but it didn't feel like they were getting to the quarterback enough, especially I look at that Purdue game and they were able to force some, some turnovers, but it felt like in that Purdue game, Aiden O'Connell was just sitting in the pocket. And that was such a winnable game. That wasn't probably the defense's fault, but you know, I, I just look at that game as kind of a, a microcosm of, of the whole season. The main thing for me, why, why I'm picking the pass rush is because not only did they have not, a super productive season last year, but all of their most productive pass rushers for the most part, minus a couple guys are gone, right? You lose Darrell Chami, you lose Greg China Rose, uh, Mona Silikite and Ami Finau were, were both probably better run stoppers, but you know, those, those are still veteran presences on the defensive line on the interior. Um, I look at the pass rush as, as the main thing that, that I'm concerned about when it comes to this defense um, and I don't know if you concur, but uh, but I think that getting to the quarterback is so important, especially now. You know, we know how willing teams are to air it out. Um, I, I think getting to the quarterback is definitely something that, you know, was a problem for them last year. And I, I would definitely be concerned about uh, them improving on this year. Yeah, no, and I think the only thing I add is that, you know, with the guys you mentioned uh, that they lost, it's, it's the same thing we talked about with the offensive line. It's that and the tight ends. It's it, it's that depth. 
you know, you're relying on some young guys probably to make some plays. So I think it's just, you know, when you lose so much, so much productivity, it's kind of how can you replace that with, you know, with depth. Yeah. And I'll, I'll let you get to your concern right after this. Um, I think they have some guys in house already that, and and when I'm saying in house, I'm including transfers that can definitely make an impact and can definitely improve that. For Mm -hmm. me, it's just a concern that like, we, like, I think what a lot of fans, you know, they see like in the NFL, you have training camp and it's visible to the whole public. So like, you can kind of tell like what players are looking good and you know, how the team's shaping up. And obviously there's so much information out there, but with this, like all of their practices minus like one practice a week where we get to watch like half an hour are closed. So we don't really know. I mean, a couple things get out here and there. We don't really know though, who's going to step into these roles. I mean, you look at like Jordan Phillips transfer mm-hmm. from Tennessee, like Donnell Brown is a St. Francis transfer. He's making the leap to FBS. Um, you got a couple of returning guys like Tyze Johnson and Tommy King Basote that, you know, you think could step into bigger roles, but they're just unproven. All of those guys are unproven at the FBS level. I mean, Jordan Phillips is at Tennessee, but you know, he didn't transfer because he was killing it at Tennessee. So, you know, it's, it's kind of yet to be seen. Um, so that would be my biggest concern concern would be, you know, the pass rush and just kind of the uncertainty about that kind of similar to what you said about the offensive line, just like the uncertainty about how it's going to look. Um, for my concern, I, I, I honestly, I don't want to say this position as my concern because I don't think it's fair to them. I just think it's the only reliable answer with the unit that I'm going to use as my strength. And I'm going to go with the secondary. And I, it's not, I'm not concerned that they're going to be bad because I think that, that they're going to be a solid position group and, and help Maryland make, make big plays. But I think I'm just going to do, I'm just going to say the same thing with the talent you lose, right? You lose, I mean, you lose Tricorian Bennett and you lose Deontay Banks to the NFL again. You're losing two pro- high-profile players who spent, you know, their entire collegiate careers um, with Maryland, and you know, you still have a lot of talent. You still have Bo Bray, Tarheeb Still, Dante Trader, guys returning upperclassmen who are gonna who are gonna make an impact. But I, I think the only thing I'll just say is, you know, you kind of lose two of those top guys, leaders as well, and you have a few you have a few transfers that are co- that are gonna come in. Avante Williams, obviously a very high-profile guy out of Miami, but didn't really have much success there. So I guess, you know, you kind of have to question if if he's going to sort of rejuvenate his career or kind of stay at that not not so, I don't want to use the word bust, but not the level that he was expected to be at. And then Jaquan Shepard, who's looked really, really good. But again, it's the, it's the same thing, you know, transfers, how, how, will, how will their game translate? So it's not a bad position, but I guess for the position I'm going to use as my strength, this I don't think it's maybe as strong as them. So I guess there's some slight concerns if the productivity – can be replaced to its max to its to its maximum effort. Do you agree to an extent? I I totally agree with what you're saying. You know, the point being that it's almost impossible to replace yeah. guys like I mean Deontay Banks is a first round NFL draft pick and Jacorian Bennett was one of the most productive defensive backs in all of college yeah. football. So I mean replacing those guys, it's you know, you you have guys waiting in the wings and you have transfers that are coming in that you hope are going to help, but it's just impossible to fully yeah. replace in one year maybe what they brought to the team. It's still and it's you know, and it's still a good unit. I kind of want to, you know, emphasize that it just I'm not sure it's going to be as productive as it was with with losing those two guys. I guess that's where my very slight concern comes in. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you. And I'm gonna kind of hit on that with my my strength and X factor as well, but I'll let you hit your your strength first. Now that you've given your concern. Yeah. Uh, my strength is going to be the linebackers. I just think that the potential they have for the potential impact uh, that, that they're able to make for this upcoming season, I think is really, really strong. 
obviously led by Jay Sean Barham, who as a freshman, as a freshman was not maybe in the top five, but he was one of the really, really bright uh, linebackers in the entire Big Ten, where you have some of the top uh, linebackers in the country. But where I where I really want to use this strength is like w- uh, with some of the guys that are coming in. You have three freshmen who are former four-star recruits, so you have really highly touted guys there. And then you bring back a lot of experience depth, you know, in a Ruben Hippolyte, a senior who is kind of a leader of, of that group as well. So I think you have two guys who are going to land next to each other who I think can only can only take a, another step forward. Obviously, Jay Sean Barham, he is that guy. He is that playmaker. He is debatably going to be the best defensive player on the team this year. And then you have those really touted freshmen who are going to get opportunities. And, and if you kind of just look at Barham, right, his freshman season, what he was able to do. So when you look at a Neo Avery, a Michael Harris, a, a Dylan Gooden, a DJ Samuels, the, you know, these were all guys who were highly touted guys uh, out of high school, you know, all, all top 10 recruits of, of Maryland, of Maryland's 2023 class. But again, it all starts with Jay Sean Barham and Ruben Hippolyte, two guys who we know will make an impact. And I think Barham in his sophomore year, I think it's going to be a really good sophomore leap and Hippolyte leader of that group as the seniors. So I think that's going to be a really exciting group to watch. And I think something that's going to be really, really strong, especially with Barham and Hippolyte in the middle of the field for them. I agree with you. And uh, Ruben Hippolyte last year, he was injured for a couple games and you really kind of saw that, that leadership aspect missing when he wasn't on the field. And I think you can make a really good case that he would be an X factor of this defense just Mm -hmm. because of the leadership that he brings, you know, Jay Sean Barham's, uh, you know, kind of a reserved guy. He's not much of like a vocal leader. Ruben Hippolyte kind of fits into that mold a little bit more than, than he does. And I would also like to throw in the name Fanage Gote. Mm -hmm. Fanage Gote missed pretty much all of the 2021 season. I think he had a season ending injury in the first game. And then last year when he was on the field, he was very solid and all reports from camp, all the players we've been able to talk to and all the, the coaches have all raved about him and said that he might be their best linebacker. So I think that he's definitely a guy that, that that's worth keeping an eye on as, as you know, maybe, a, maybe a little bit less known about, but, but, you know, experienced and equally productive player on the defense. Good, good shout there. I, I wasn't thinking about that at all, but do you agree that you think, Barham has a very good chance of being Maryland's best defensive player this season. I would say going into the season, he would probably be my pick to be their best defensive player. I mean, he was, you can make that argument last year, you know, how consistent he was, how -hmm. dynamic he was just like the different, the the boost he gave them was, you know, I, I couldn't believe he was a freshman, you know, uh, yesterday we had a live practice that we were able to see. And, um, you know, there was, there was a, a, someone there uh, from the TV crew, uh, that's going to be doing like the first game. Joe Beninati. I don't know if you know who he is. He calls the Capitals games. Yeah, he calls, he calls, calls the Caps games. Yeah, right. And so he's going through with the uh, with the the PR staff about you know who should I keep an eye on, um, you know, et cetera. And he looks at Barham. Barham's wearing number one, and he looks at him. He points at him, and he just goes, you know, you can just tell when you look at some people that guy's a pro. Like he just stands out from when he's just on the field. This was just like a walkthrough. He wasn't even doing anything physically. He just looks the part of being a pro. And you know, I, I would. At middle linebackers are a little bit undervalued nowadays, I think, with some of the defenses that people are running, but he could definitely be a first-round pick in a year. He has the talent to do that. No, and also speaking of linebackers, I think this kind of goes into the Ruben Hippolyte discussion. You mentioned how when, when he was off the field, they kind of lost that. You know, linebackers are, are often, you know, the play callers as well, so I think that with Hippolyte there, you know, and with Gote mentioned, another senior, I think that having that having experience at the linebacker position is so crucial. Well, speaking of experience, I'm going to go with my strength and I'm going to go with one of the only groups on this team that kind of returns 
all of its production, like I said, with the running backs earlier, I'm going to go with the safeties. I know you talked about the secondary as, as a concern, but you were more focusing on the cornerbacks. I think I'm going to go with the safeties as my strength, just because you bring back two guys that were really good for them last year. Um, you know, maybe not like world beaters, but, but really good for them last year. And they come back with another year of experience, Bo Braid and Dante Trader and Dante Trader um, might not necessarily be at that same pedestal as Bo Braid. And you think about like pro potential, you know, cause Bo Braid is the kind of guy that's been sneaking. I've been seeing him in some mock drafts and, you know, as early as like the second round, um, you know, he's the kind of guy that I would look at as, you know, a, a future pro for sure. And kind of, you were saying with Ruben Hippolyte, I would say Bo Braid is one of the captains of this defense. And, you know, I, I look at that safety group as such a vital position because of what you said with, you know, the, the losses at the cornerback position. Um, those guys stepping up would be so massive. And I have a ton of faith in them doing so just because they started together. There were concerns last year about who that safety position, who was going to fill into that role with, you know, Nick Cross had left in recent years. And then, you know, Mosley had left in recent years. And, you know, you're looking at some openings, you're looking at who's going to step up and be the next, you know, good Maryland safety to, you know, kind of, kind of lead that defense and, and Bo Braid and Dante Trader excelled in that position. Um, so, yeah, I would say that the safety position for me, when I look at it, um, maybe other than the linebackers would be my position of strength on this defense. Should I go, am I going to, am I going into my X factor? Uh, yeah. If you're ready, go for it. Well, I mean, we've kind of exhausted every, every position on defense, but I mean, when you talk about X factor, X factor means big plays in my opinion. And I know this isn't technically defense per se, but I guess I'll, I'll not special teams per se, but I'll go with the return unit. Cause when I think of, again, when I think of X factor, I think of explosiveness, how, how you can make big plays to change the game. Like you mentioned, you, you mentioned Octavian Smith. So I'm going to take the words out of your mouth a little bit that he can ha- he can be electric when, when he wants to. He can make some plays. Probably going to see a combination of Octavian Smith, Tarheeb Still, Jay Sean Jones take returns. Is that correct? Probably something like that. I mean, um, we know Jay Sean's so versatile. And Tarheeb had, I think Tarheeb is like a little bit maybe still living off that uh, punt return touchdown in the pinstripe bowl. But <laughs> but yeah, he definitely he definitely brings, uh, you know, good explosiveness to the table. He's a great um, athlete. Yeah, no, I, I was I was at the pinstripe bowl as a fan, and, and and I remember watching that, and it was like, oh, oh, oh he's he's got one, and then the side went crazy, and I was like, that, so that was an electric play. But um, back to the returners, yeah, I, I think that well, special teams also an area we can say concern, well, concerned with Chad Allen not not returning, and you have a, a sophomore and and Jack House probably kicking the ball, but I'll stick with the X factor. I think that look at the return men if they if they can make some big plays on that end. Yeah, I think, you know, the return game, special teams are like so underrated and how important they are. Like the field position game is so drastically important and so underrated. And yeah, and there's a case just looking back on last season that you can call Chad Ryland the X factor of the entire team. There's a case. Chad Ryland was like, I can't emphasize how good Chad Ryland was for this team and how much of a boost that was. I mean, no disrespect to Joe Petrino, but like Chad Ryland coming in completely revolutionized what that offense could do. Cause you only had to get to like the Ford. I mean, he wasn't drilling 60 yarders in games as much, but like you only had to get to like the 40 yard line. And you're like, we have a chance to get points here. You get to like the 30 yard line. You're pretty much guaranteed points. I mean, he missed what three or four field goals a whole year. And I think they were all from over 40 yards. He was money yeah. for them last year. He was, he was, he was such a weapon. The Michigan game was unbelievable. Him and Moody. I mean, that was the kicker off. Those were the two the two kickers that uh, I think they're the only two kickers drafted, but they were definitely the first two, and they both got yeah. traded up for in the NFL draft. How rare do you see that two yeah. kickers traded up for? We'll see. I'm, I'm very I'm very intrigued to see if the Patriots cut Nick Folk and and Ryland becomes the starter. 
Right. I mean, you'd have to think if they're trading up for him that they're not going to, yeah. you know, they're not going to spend draft capital to take a guy that they're planning on cutting. Who knows? Maybe. We'll see. Yeah, I'll, I'll hit my X factor on the defense, and I'm going to be annoying and stay in the defensive back room. And I'm going to go specifically at one specific position in the defensive back room. I'm going to go with third cornerback. I'm going to go with, got. To, I'm going to just assume Tarheeb still mm-hmm. and Jaquan Shepard or Jaquan Shepard are going to be one and two in that room. But I look at that third cornerback, the the fifth defensive back outside of those safeties as being so incredibly vital to what this team does. You saw them play so much nickel last year. You saw them having five defensive backs on the field very frequently. And with guys like Ja'Cory Bennett and Deontay Banks gone, now you don't have necessarily Tarheeb still as that third cornerback, as that fifth defensive back on the field. So I'm looking at guys like Corey Coley, Gavin Gibson, Lionel Whitaker, these guys that are going to have to step into bigger roles. And like I was saying before, depth is so important in football more than maybe any other sport. I would say football kind of embodies that, that saying of you're only as strong as your weakest link. And the best offensive coordinators in football. And a lot of, there are a lot of really good offensive coordinators that Maryland's going to go up against. They're so good at manipulating the defense and getting the matchups they want. And if you have a weak link out there in the passing game, doesn't matter how good Jaquan mm-hmm. Shepard is. doesn't matter how good Tarheeb still is. doesn't matter how much you know extra coverage those safeties give. If you have a guy that they can pick on, they're going to find a way to pick on him. How many, how many times watching college football do you see a, a starting corner goes down for the, for the other team, they throw in a freshman out wide, they, 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 the other team puts the number one receiver on them straight go route 60 yard touchdown. How many you see, I, you see that every single week, right? So I think all the time, all the time, every, every discussion we had of every single position group we talked, I don't know, the only thing, but the main factor for the, this entire 30 minute podcast is out of all the, out of all the four major sports in America, football is the, what is the most is where you need the most depth at every single position because injuries happen, and if you, especially on the offensive and defensive line, where that's where you need to win games in the Big Ten, if you don't have depth, you are not going to win football games. So Maryland, some positions we've showed our concern in, in depth, and if they need to utilize that depth, I think Maryland can be in for some challenges and some bigger games. But everything is about depth when we break down these position groups. Yeah, before I jump right back into this micro thing, like just talking macro about Maryland. The thing that has held them back is not an inability to get top line talent at certain positions. Yeah. Cause you look at some of their positions, like they've, they've put guys in the NFL at yeah. virtually every position. It seems like over the last couple of years, but the problem is that they haven't been able to go one through whatever it is on the depth chart and compete with the top teams. That's the difference between the top teams and them. Obviously the top, the top flight talent is still going there, but Maryland has had like Rakim Jarrett, talent-wise, is as good as any cornerback he's going to face in college. Mm-hmm. But when Rakim Jarrett is taken out of the game, when Rakim Jarrett is a wash, then you go another thing down the depth chart, right? So I'm looking at those cornerbacks as my X factor because, if, like you said, if they're if they're a weak link, it doesn't matter how good the rest of the secondary is. It doesn't matter how experienced they are. Um, you know, there are ways you could try and alleviate that right maybe maybe you put more defensive backs on the field maybe you play a lot more like dime coverage or zone coverage or you know whatever it is but um there are ways to alleviate it but i just look at they're they're gonna it's an uphill battle if one of those guys doesn't step up i love gavin gibson as a good candidate and you know glenn miller also at safety as you know good candidates to maybe step into that role um tarheeb will be kind of floating loxley said this at the last press conference um 
after their preseason scrimmage last week. Said Tarheeb will be kind of floating between nickel and the outside. Um, but I definitely look at those guys as, you know, so important to what this defense wants to do. Um, what, and, and that's every uh, position group. So, not, not and I, no, I just, I guess the last point I'll make just to end on this, it's no coincidence that every single press conference Mike, Mike Loxley's had, he's mentioned the two words experience and depth. And if you look at their past two recruiting classes, they're, you know, you're maybe not getting those top four, a high four, high, you know, getting in all those five star recruits. But if you look at even this year, you're up to 18 recruits, why 15 or 16 of them are, are three stars. So I think he's just trying to, you know, build solid depth, right? Is that a fair assessment? Absolutely. And there's also like such a big difference in like the three stars. This is a separate, this is a totally separate conversation. This is a, this is a recruiting point, but like they're, you know, the, the three star ranked 600th in the country and the three star ranked like 1500th in the country are both three stars. But the good thing that Maryland, I think, has done in recruiting over the years that has allowed them to establish a little bit more depth, maybe, is that they've been able to find guys that are, you know, three star recruits. They're not blue chippers, but, you know, they're solid enough players that you give them a couple of years in your system and they can compete in the big time. A lot of, yeah, and a lot of Maryland's recruits for this class, you know, they've, but by some sites have been rated three stars and by others, four stars. So I think that's kind of what you're, what you're getting at a little bit. Yeah. You're looking, you're looking for those guys that, you know, system guys, especially now in the transfer portal, you're looking yeah. for guys that'll, that'll stay around. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of us analyzing Maryland's offensive defense. And I know we hit a little bit on special teams as well. Um, yes. I think, yeah, I mean, the season's coming up close. So, you know, there's only so much we can do before, you know, we're going to be getting into, into game coverage, which is pretty crazy. It's been a fast off season. I don't know. It feels like to me, it's been like it's blue. It's blown by to me. I don't know if you agree with that, but uh, but yeah, week one is coming up in in about two weeks, which is very exciting. Week zero, best week of the year. Some would say. I would not say that, but some would say that. College football sickos might say that. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's all for this episode of the Testudo Talk podcast. Thank you all for listening. If you made it this far, we really appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> We'll be back next week with, you know, some more uh, preseason coverage. I think next week we were talking about, you know, going down Maryland's schedule and we're going to be looking at, you know, how their schedule shapes up and, you know, maybe offering some predictions. And as always, you can find me and Andrew's work on testudotimes.com. Uh, once again, thank you all for listening. We really appreciate it. And we'll see you all next week on the next episode.